Hello and uh, welcome to This Week International. Um, I'm Andy and here is my, I'm here with my co-host Thomas and um, here's we are going to start off today with uh, Belarus for episode two. This is from AFP. Belarus investigators said Wednesday prominent opposition figures Maria Kolesnikova and Maxim Znak had been detained in a national security probe as Minsk ramped up a crackdown on a protest movement. The country's investigative committee, which probes major crime, said in a statement that the two were being held as an investigation continued into calls urging action aimed at harming national security. They joined a number of top critics of strongman Alexander Lukashenko already in jail. A lawyer for Kolesnikova, the most prominent opposition figure still in Belarus, said she was in a central Minsk jail and faced up to five years in prison. Maria is in good spirits, lawyer Ludmila Kazak told AFP. She confirmed she tore up her passport on purpose to remain in Belarus. On Tuesday, Kolesnikova was detained at the Ukrainian border after she prevented authorities from expelling her by tearing up her passport and jumping out of a car. The 38-year-old ally of top opposition figure Sletlana Tikhanovskaya went missing on Monday, with witnesses saying that she was bundled into a minibus by unidentified masked men in Minsk. Unprecedented demonstrations broke out after strongman Alexander Lukashenko claimed to have defeated political novice Tikhanovskaya and won re-election with 80% of the vote in the August 9th ballot. Lukashenko refused to step down and turned to Russia for support to stay in power, while security services have arrested thousands of protesters. So this goes on, and I'm not going to read the whole article. You can read it for yourself if you're interested. But looks like uh, Lukashenko's arrested more people. He's really trying to do the kind of classic dictator move and arrest all your political opponents. Don't you agree, Andy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually, even though I'm not one to really follow the news and just occasionally check Wikipedia, this actually made it through my not following the news wall. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, so all I heard was like, oh yeah, Belarus's opposition leader has been arrested. But uh, yeah, I don't know if like, I mean, I think right now it's impossible to tell whether Lukashenko is coming or going. Yeah, I think it's going to turn to a Robert Mugabe situation where it's like, he's going to go at some point, it's just when. Or I mean, he is in his 60s, so I mean, I mean, he can't live forever, but he does technically still have like 20 years, if not more, left on this earth. So... I do think he's going to go. I don't know when. If I was going to make a random guess, I'd say maybe 2022, maybe. But I think this will these struggles will go on for a long time, I think. I think the Belarusian people are very mad. I don't think that a lot of them are very propagandized in the way that, I don't know, the North Koreans are. So... I definitely think that this is going to lead to some interesting developments, and this is definitely a story that is on my radar. I will be following it. Yeah. Um, I think, to be honest, this is going to uh, turn into a Venezuela situation where you're going to have, like, two presidents for a little while, and eventually the world will just come to recognize whoever becomes the new one, whoever that is. But yeah, honestly, though, like... I mean, if- yeah, I agree. I mean, I think... I'll- Oh, go ahead. 
I mean, if you look at all, thank, uh, thank you. If you look at all the parties in Belarusian parliament, most of them are pro Lukashenko. But then again, the one that isn't is the LDPR, not to be confused with Russia's LDPR. But like, they're like a right wing populist. So we may end up like a Belarus Trump. Yeah, I agree about the whole Venezuela analogy. Although we should remember that Maduro, um, a year after the original sort of presidential dispute, he's still in power. Like Guaido does not really have much control of Venezuela. Well, I mean, still Maduro. I mean, a lot of countries recognize Guaido as the leader, but Guaido doesn't yeah. really do anything. Yeah, true. Um, I don't really have a lot in my uh, news buzzer for this episode, if you know what I mean. So um, yeah, no, I understand. Do you, uh, let's get through your topics, and then we'll come to mine because I think I can really elaborate on this. Okay, so another topic that we were together following last week, and this was the Russia Alexei Navalny scandal. So this is from Reuters. Headline says, oh, yes. G7 foreign ministers condemn Navalny's confirmed poisoning. So I'm going to read this article. The group of seven foreign ministers on Tuesday condemned the confirmed poisoning of Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny in the strongest terms, according to a statement released by the U.S. State Department. We, the G7 foreign ministers of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and the United States of America, and the high representative of the European Union, are united in condemning in the strongest possible terms the confirmed poisoning of Alexei Navalny, said the statement. You know what you mean. Yeah, uh, if you don't remember from last week's episode, he was poisoned by Putin uh, because Putin doesn't like him, and he was poisoned with some drug called Novichok, and he was in a coma. He's out of a coma now, but I don't know if he's fully better. Probably not. I will have to look into that, and I will give you more updates on that next week. But anyway... Uh, back to this article, Navalny, who was being treated at a Berlin hospital, was airlifted to Germany after falling ill on a Russian domestic flight last month. Germany says he was poisoned with Soviet-style Novichok nerve agent, there it is, in an attempt to murder him. Russia has said it has seen no evidence that Navalny was poisoned. Liars. Germany briefed yeah. the G7, which the United States is chairing this year, on its determination that Navalny is the victim of an attack with a chemical nerve agent of the Novichok group, a substance developed in Russia, the G7 statement said. Any use of chemical weapons anywhere, anytime, by anybody, under any circumstances whatsoever is unacceptable and contravenes the international norms prohibiting the use of such weapons, the statement added, calling on Russia to establish who was responsible for this abhorrent poisoning attack. We will continue to monitor closely how Russia responds to its international calls for an explanation of the hideous poisoning of Mr. Navalny, said. So that's pretty awful. Yes. I am glad that other countries are taking action. We can't just yes. sort of ignore this topic. No, I don't think we should be declaring war on Russia or anything. I don't think we should try to pull a Venezuela where we're just like, uh, Alexei Navalny's the <laughs> real leader. I mean, he didn't or run, like, uh, or like didn't win an election. Or like Trump did with the capital of Israel. Just like, oh, yes, yeah. I'm the new one now, even though it's We're going to be getting to Trump capital. later. <laughs> oh, we are? Oh, okay. I did, I, yeah, I, I did not see. Okay. We're going to talk about the Nobel Peace Prize, but that I'm saving that to the end, hopefully, if uh, oh, yeah. you agree with that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can do my bit. So, uh, yeah. It's pretty I weird. Mean, 
like to be honest i know a lot of people disagree with this but like a lot of groups can solve this i mean i know russia is a bit big to have a democracy especially with, since like a lot of large countries are losing theirs the u.s never really having one with the electoral college to the pitch the decisive loser five yeah. percent of the time uh china they're a republic although they should in an ideal world they should function as a representative democracy and I think in some sense they still do, but in other senses, not really much anymore. I mean, come on, we don't really have federal, we don't have federal referendums. Like other countries, you can just vote on topics federally. Yeah. Well, like actually, how, uh, Brexit in the UK, like they've alternative vote. They voted on that in 2011, I believe it failed, but it was a national referendum. We don't have those. I wish we did. Actually, we do. Puerto Rico has them. And they're legal in Puerto Rico. I think well, we have them by the states, but we don't have them federally. Oh, yes. Speaking of referendums, I actually just thought of something. Yes. So as a, do you mind if, do you mind if we switch topics for a minute? Um, yeah, that's fine. I'm kind of done with this Russia topic. Okay. So, so uh, I know I told nobody that I was trying to bring this up. So uh, I am sorry about this, but uh, as a flag nerd, I can't help but follow this the mississippi flag redesign referendum oh yeah 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 i know we're an international news source but we do have to bring up american news every once in a while so i'm yeah. sorry to all you american hating people out there who are like i don't want to hear anything about american news i'm sorry we're americans we have to bring this up yeah, anyway I mean, go if on you wanna, if you want to skip it then it's fine no 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 we'll keep going actually we're on two new apps now i think so uh yeah anyways as I look at the Mississippi flag options, to be honest, it's sable, sable. Not a lot of good flag design. I mean, the of the final five. I mean, like it's just a sable story with American vexillology. It's uh, it doesn't follow any of the basic the basic rules of flag design. Like if I look at like if I, as I look at the Nava rules here, um, the five basic rules. I know I bring this up a lot, but are keep it simple, uh, no letters, use meaningful symbolism, two to three different colors, and be distinctive or be related, or two to three colors. Uh, I mean, but as I look through here, like, it's an absolute, like, for the final five designs, it was an absolute onslaught of nobody kept it simple. Uh, they required that you put in God we trust on their flag, which is breaking major rule, and... Yeah, so, um, like, I don't know what I would vote for here. I mean, to be honest, I like this one tall, I don't know what it's called, but it's, oh, I can't find it, but it's the one that says, in God we trust at the bottom. It's, like, dark blue, and it has, like, the shield that's similar to what Croatia's flag with the star over it. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but... Uh, so I have I, the new Magnolia flag pulled up. I hadn't seen any of these before, because I yeah. haven't really been following the whole Mississippi flag thing. But this one has uh, Magnolia in the center, and it has a bunch of stars around. I could count them, but I'm too lazy to. <laughs> with one golden star at the top, and then it has sort of red and yellow borders on the edge. I think it's fine. I don't think it's that memorable. I don't know. It seems fine. It's way better than the Confederate flag, I mean. Yeah. I mean, That's well, the Confederate battle flag is what people think of think of the confederate flag and it's like that's a that is a symbol 
that I don't know about how it got on the Mississippi state flag, but the Confederate flag arose in the 60s as basically an yeah. FU response to the civil rights movement. So I think we should just get rid of that Confederate battle flag. Fine, put it in a museum. And I mean, we don't have the right to take it. No one has the right to take that away from you. But you're just an idiot if you fly it around and talk about Southern pride and it's my heritage. I mean, to be fair, your heritage goes back to the 1960s. Like, that's how far it goes. It doesn't go back any further. Actually, that flag came from, I believe it was actually in, it was actually traded because it was like the flag of something related to generally. If you want to look at the real Confederate flag, watch a CTP Dre video on it on the real confederate flag or just google the real confederate flag because what we know with the large x of the stars that was like it was a part of the confederacy but it's like it was like it was only general lee's unit so people like don't act like when people say this is your heritage well yeah if your heritage goes back to a group of like 100 people maybe it's your heritage unless you're from a very specific part of virginia it's probably not your heritage then it's probably somebody else's the original Confederate flag just looks like a seven-year-old trying to do the American flag and getting lazy and just like, you know, I'll just scribble a third of this red and put a white bar in the center. I don't remember how many there are, but let's just say there are uh, three stripes and then put a couple stars. I don't want to do 50, so I'll do, I don't know, seven. That's kind of what know, it's, right? like. it's like. I don't know. It's, it's a pretty dumb flag as well. It doesn't like look appealing. Like. Yeah, it's, but then again, it was the 1700s something, like 17, 1800s, you can hardly blame them. Um, yeah. I, I was about to ask you if you wanted to roll in something else, but go ahead. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm going to roll into this China uh, topic. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question, Andy. Okay. Have you seen the movie Milan? Well, I think so. This new Milan movie. Oh, the that uh, just new came one. out. Um, no, on I Disney have Plus. I have okay, it, and I don't good. have Disney Plus. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay, that's that's good okay. because Disney has filmed parts of Mulan in Xinjiang. If you don't remember where Xinjiang is, it's in the far west of China, and it's where the Uyghur people live. And I gave a long monologue on the Uyghurs last episode, and I highly recommend you check that out. So I don't want to repeat myself, so I'm just going to assume that you, the viewer, has at least a little bit of a knowledge of the Uyghurs. But they're being interned in internment camps, and they're being shipped as basically slave labor to other parts of China, such as Beijing. And Disney has chosen to film Mulan there. And Mulan is probably the worst movie to film there, considering that Mulan, who are the bad guys? The bad guys in the original Mulan were the Huns. The Huns, we don't really know exactly who they were, but we think that they were connected to Turkic peoples like the Uyghurs. The new bad guys, I guess, are the Rorans, who seem to be connected to the Mongols. I mean, we don't know much about the Rorans, but that still is not a good look for the Chinese. And it's like, really? You're filming a movie that praises China in a part of China where the Chinese government is depressing the native population. Like, logic. 
Logic's not there. Imagine if this happened in, I don't know, the 40s. Let's say, what if the USSR filmed a movie in Ukraine and talked about, Hey, Russia's so great. The Russian people are amazing. We're going to film our movie in Ukraine. And paint the Ukrainians as the bad guys. So, like, imagine if they did that. That would not be good. But it only proves to you, though, like, capitalism don't care where they're, what they're doing. So, I mean, I'm not trust. I'm not like some sort of socialist or something. I'm not like, I'm not I, am, I am not, I am not a socialist, but like, I mean, to be honest though, capitalism don't care. Um, it's Disney. And I know from an experience that Disney is not open to outside ideas. So if you write to them and say, and say, please not film somewhere else, they're going to say, well, we can't really take any outside ideas. So the answer is probably no. Plus it probably costs a lot of money to move. So, yeah. Yeah, I am actively choosing not to watch this film, not just because it's not good, at least according to the reviews I've seen, but if you're watching this film and paying for it on Disney+, Plus, then really what you're doing is you're legitimizing the actions of Disney here, which we can't do. We cannot do this. We need to make sure that Disney learns their lesson and they know, okay, if you film in this area of China, or maybe honestly just China in general, because China's been doing a lot of stuff, not just to the Uyghurs. I mean, there's the whole Hong Kong issue, which is actually another part of it, because the main actor, uh, what's her name? Shoot. Give me a second. Uh, Yifei Liu uh, came out a couple months ago in support of the Chinese police who were oppressing the protesters in Hong Kong. So that's also not a good look. And I think there was actually an original boycott then for the movie, but it's really been ramped up now, which is good. And I've heard that at the end of the credits, I don't know if this is true, that they actually thank the uh, Chinese government's branch in Xinjiang for being allowed to film there. But imagine if Stalin, imagine if like when Stalin was doing the Holodomor, in Ukraine, if, uh, I don't know, Disney was like, thank you to the Ukrainian SSR for letting us film there. Yeah. Any, uh, any more commentary on the story, Andy? Uh, no, I think that's all the commentary I have. Um, you have anything else? Yeah, so just the moral of the story is don't watch Milan. Yeah, don't I'm watch begging you, the new do one. not watch Milan. Oh, and uh, while we're on the topic of veggie Australia, please change your flag. It looks too much like New Zealand. And yeah, it's uh, anyways. Sorry, had to that, had to bring if that you, one back up. <laughs> anyway, okay, keep going. Sorry. Well, I have an idea. If you watch Milan, you should spend the same amount of money you did to buy Milan on Disney Plus. You should spend that same amount of money and donate it to a charity that helps oppressed minorities around the world. So if you really want to watch it that bad, and I'm not, you shouldn't be forced to do this, but I challenge you to do that, to show that you are making a difference. And it can almost kind of be like a ha-ha F you to Disney as well. Like, hey, look, I'm watching your movie. I'm going to be donating to uh, a charity that helps uh, groups that your buddy, uh, the Chinese government, is oppressing. So. Anyway, we're, I think we're done with that topic. Do you yeah, want to move um, on to... This uh, new 
a story that I just saw about an hour ago about Donald Trump and sure. the Nobel Peace Prize. Sure, I'm more than willing to complain about Trump. Well, I'm more than willing to complain about a lot of people, but go ahead. So, <laughs> yeah, I originally tried to be pretty nonpartisan about Trump, but it's really hard. I mean, come on, it's so dang hard. Like, how can you have a neutral opinion on Trump? He makes everything partisan, so I feel like I kind of have to make this partisan. But I'm going to be reading this article from The Telegraph. Uh, Donald Trump nominated for Peace Prize. The headline says, U.S. President Donald Trump has been nominated for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize. Norwegian far-right politician, uh, Christian Tebring Jetty. I oh. probably butchered that name, just so you know. Uh, he's from the Progress Party, which is funny. I've heard of them. I've heard of That's them. A so weird that uh, they have a far-right party called the Progress Party. Yeah. Uh, it's like the Liberal Democratic Party in uh, Russia. Yeah. Uh, as somebody who has uh, a little bit of experience with Norwegian politics, the Progress Party is bad news. Like, yeah, they're just bad news. Like, it's a long story. But, yeah, they've done some terrible things to people. Keep going. Sorry. Or, heck, uh, even the uh, National Socialist German Workers Party of Germany, of course, better known as the Nazis. Well, that's a different story. Yes. We are not going to be getting into that now. Yes. But anyway, Norwegian far-right politician Christian Tebring Jetty made the nomination following a historic peace agreement between the United Arab Emirates and Israel. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to hold off on that for a second. Okay. The leader also praised Mr. Trump for resolving other protracted conflicts worldwide and said he has made tremendous efforts in brokering peace. For his merit, I think he's done more trying to create peace between nations than most other Peace Prize nominees, Mr. Tebring Jetty told Fox News. In his nomination letter to the Nobel Committee, Mr. Tebring Jetty said that the Trump administration played a significant role in the establishment of relations between Israel and the UAE. As it is expected, other Middle Eastern countries will follow the footsteps of the UAE. This agreement could be a game changer that will turn the Middle East into a region of cooperation and prosperity. Interesting. Under the terms of the agreement, which was overseen by Mr. Trump, this is very important. The UAE will sign a series of trade deals and normalized relations with Israel, who in return must suspend its controversial plans to annex part of the West Bank. Mr. Tebring Jetty also discussed Mr. Trump's role in creating new dynamics in other world conflicts, including facilitating contact between North and South Korea. I almost wanted to cover the whole North Korea stuff, but yeah, that's so the North Korea stuff is so much of it is fake that I don't actually think we should yeah. be covering it. Like, I swear, it's like every month. Kim Jong-un might be dead. Like, and he's yeah. never dead. Like, I fell for this in April or May, I think. Was that when Kim Jong-un was reported to be dead? I don't know, but, like... Like, I fell for it. A lot of North like, Korea stuff is silly. Like, I, I personally don't believe Kim Jong-un... I personally find it hard I would have believed Kim Jong-un was dead, because I don't remember if I believed it or not. But, like, if his sister had taken over, we'd literally be in a nuclear war right now. So, um, I kind of doubt that ever happened. Oh, did you see the weird memes that came out of... Oh, yes. The whole Kim Jong-un situation with his sister. There's this one, and it's so weird. I'm going to get back to this article, I swear. Um, but I have to talk about this. 
uh, Kim Yo Jong, there was a meme, and it was like her trying to like rush to some sort of a car or something, and oh, I mean, someone photoshopped a piece of toast into her mouth to make her look like super. I don't know, kind of You're, kawaii. I don't know, or cute. I, I guess. <laughs> it sounds like something really weird is, is the content for it, but I'm not gonna say what. This sounds really it's weird. Very weird, yeah. Like here's one right here. My name is Kim Yo Jong, and I'm late for my first day as dictator. Like this one's probably uh, oh, I ironic, like but I feel like a lot of them were pretty unironic. Like I feel like there are a lot of like uh, North Korea kind of maybe maybe they're tankies, uh, North Korea yes. simps we'll yes. call them, oh, the who uh, are really interested in uh, a female hot communist dictator, which is disturbing. I mean, uh, undoubtedly, it would be a new first. I mean, it would be like a big stride for feminism, but I mean, I don't know, though. Yeah, hashtag more female dictators, but uh, I don't know. I don't think that's real feminism. I think uh, real yeah. feminism would be uh, uh, freeing up North Korea and creating a society where uh, men and women are created equal or treated equal. But anyway, that's a different dis- discussion. Yeah, I mean, like... But anyway, yeah, we will go back to this whole UAE-Israel thing. The Norwegian politician told Fox News that he was not a big Trump supporter, but that other leaders should follow his lead in reserving their judgment. Committee should look at the facts and judge him on the facts, not on the way he behaves sometimes. The people who have received the Peace Prize in recent years have done much less than Donald Trump. For example, Barack Obama did nothing. We'll get to that too. Three other presidents have won the U, the Peace Prize, including Barack Obama, Woodrow Wilson, Jimmy Carter, and Theodore Roosevelt. Mr. Trump was previously nominated for the prize in 2018 following his efforts to solve the North Korean nuclear tensions. So there's a lot to say. Do you want to start it, Andy? Uh... I mean, like, if that's coming from Fox News, I would. I this mean, is from the Telegraph. Sorry, sorry. Okay, to good. Okay. I was, <laughs> if it's coming from Fox News, I would blatantly just say I don't even believe it because Fox and CNN. Oh boy. Anyways, yeah, there's a lot there, but like, why is Donald Trump receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in the first place? Like, what peace did he create outside of well, what's going on on his head with that hair? But that's another story. Um, I gotta correct you there. He is not receiving it. He's been nominated to receive it. So he might receive it or he might not. It's too early to tell, but he's been nominated to receive it. Yeah, and I also have to kind of point out that wasn't his whole thing, wasn't he always mad about like foreign powers interfering in our elections? Like him colluding or whatnot with this Norwegian politician. It's like, I mean, nor- or this Norwegian politician supporting him, like, that seems super odd to me. Like, isn't this- I don't know if- thought about. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I honestly think that this, uh, this Norwegian politician isn't actually really connected to Trump. I think he's just kind of a Trump sycophant. He's just really into Trump, like a lot. And although I know he says he's not a big Trump supporter, but I feel like that could be some sort of a facade to sort of make him feel less biased. Like this guy's probably a big Trump supporter. Yeah, I mean, come on, you're nominating the guy for a Nobel Peace Prize. It's really weird. Yeah, I personally, I don't think you should get it. I mean, we can lay out what he did. 
talks about North Korea and he talks about uh, the UAE Israel deal. The UAE Israel deal is okay. I'm happy they have a deal. I think that every country should recognize the state of Israel. I think that Israel has a right to exist. But I think that the UAE should have pushed a little bit harder on this whole West Bank thing. I mean, they didn't end settlers. I mean, you need to. I mean, I think you need to make you need to make the settlements key in the deal. You need to figure out what you do about the settlements. I mean, you can't just have them flowing in. I mean, sure, yeah. you're not annexing the West Bank, but you're basically kind of colonizing it. Israelis moving in from other parts of Israel into the West Bank. Wait, so you're saying and... the West Bank should be like, totally isolated or something? Like, I'm confused here. Like, I'm just, like... No, okay. Like, so... Uh... Are you like saying you don't want the set? You don't want people from other parts of Israel going into the West Bank, like isolationists, or like, or there's too many, they, or what? They're going in there to claim it for Israel. That's what they're doing. Oh, okay. And so it's, it's like, like a military thing. Yeah, and it's like West Bank is not no man's land. There are people there. They're called the Palestinians. So it's like you need to figure that out. Uh, I guess Abbas Mahmoud Abbas, he's the leader of the Palestinian National Organization. No, wait, is it, P is it national? It's liberation, right? Palestinian Liberation Organization, PLL, like Oh, pa yeah. Um, he denounced the deal, which, I mean, I haven't read his, den um, his denouncement, but denunciation? I don't know the word there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, fine. Den denunciation, I think. I have not read it, so I don't know all his criticisms, so I don't really feel fit to talk about his points, but... I do think that the UAE should have pushed a little bit harder. I mean, I, I think there is a point where the UAE, they can't go really far. Like the UAE is not, I don't know, the UAE is not the US. Like it does not have extreme power in the region, but it is an emerging power. And it's a country that is fairly important when it comes to the whole Middle Eastern Gulf states, especially that kind of area. So I definitely think that I'm, I'm happy there's a deal, but I think that the deal could have been better. Let me just put it like that. And then Fair. his point about uh, North Korea, I mean, I will give Trump a little bit of credit there. And I honestly think that's kind of like by accident. Like, I don't actually really think there's anything like uniquely great about Trump that caused him to do that. I think his weird sort of strategy of like, being a hawkish, but like not really like threatening war, but not actually planning at all to do war. Maybe he deserves, deserves some credit there. I don't know if I'm contradicting myself, so maybe there actually is something about Trump there that uh, he did that's good. But I mean, I don't know how long this will last. I, I could easily see, I could see North Korea resuming their operations. I mean, there's been rumors that they want to resume their operations. So we'll see. And we'll see. I yeah. mean, hey, I if mean, one of these Kim Jong-un rumors is true, then... Uh, we don't know what the deal will be about Kim Yo Jong. Yeah. But anyway, back to we, you, Andy. We definitely need to. I know it would give Trump a shot at second term, or actually, it would give Biden a shot at any term, which I'm not really a fan of either of the two, to be honest. But um, the only way we could, I could possibly see us solving like situations like with North Korea and stuff is like if we abolish term limits. Because I mean, like every time we need to, we did a new president, we always get like, oh yes. Now we have to negotiate with like Al Qaeda and then like North Korea and then like honestly like that's a good reason for abolishing term limits right there. I mean, 
it, like if if we want to be able to keep any sort of good relationship, we have to stop like this. Like yeah. So that's 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 one thing I would say the U.S. should do to, like I'm, I think they would improve things in the region. Any other stories you have? I just wanted to address this final point that uh, Mr. T. Bring Jetty. He says that Barack Obama did nothing and he earned the peace prize. Uh, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think Barack Obama did the Iran deal. So, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, Iran did not, uh, Iran was not going to be making nuclear weapons. And I mean, I believe the, is, what is it, the IAEA? I think they confirmed that Iran was following the deal. And then, of course, we know which president pulled out of that deal. Yes. Of course, it was, uh, it was uh, the Mango Menace as uh, some people have called him, yes, Donald Trump. And uh, he did, I believe he, uh, he worked with Cuba to sort of normalize some ties there, which is good. I mean, Cuba, I mean, it, it is a little bit uncomfortable to have a country that's very hostile to us, like not that far away. So it's pretty good if you can, you know, normalize some ties with them. He was able to improve relations with them. I mean, yeah, at least we can travel there now, which... Yeah. Probably approves at least somebody's Caribbean vacation. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't like Cuba, but I'm happy that us in Cuba can have some decent relations. So I don't think that he's right when he says that Obama did nothing. And I actually think that Obama probably did more than Trump did. And I think that, I mean, you can debate if we should be giving peace prizes to presidents. I honestly think that's a valid debate, just like presidents in general. Like, I don't know, but I do think that if you were going to give it to a president, uh, Obama, in recent times, Jimmy Carter, I agree with, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, I also agree with, Woodrow Wilson, that was the fourth guy who won the Peace Prize. He, that's an interesting situation because his strategy for, I guess, peace was very weird. I mean, I believe he was really big into the Treaty of Versailles, which ended a... Uh, Germany's involvement uh, in World War One basically ended World War One, but that ended up backfiring because it was so harsh, made the Germans lose all their morale, and it led to a figure like Hitler to rise. So Wilson should not have gotten that prize, although that came much after. That came much later, way after he died. So, I mean, he wouldn't have known, but kind of a dumb choice on Wilson's part to yeah. put such, such harsh terms on the German Empire. Or I guess Germany. I don't know if they were still an empire when they signed the Treaty of Versailles. Hello, this is Thomas from This Week International. We have decided to stop this episode just because our next topic we were going to talk about is the Canadian Green Party leadership race and just Canadian politics in general. And we feel like that should be in a different episode, not connected to this one. So we will be releasing that in a couple weeks, and I'm going to go back to the episode. So, but yeah, I think that's about all for today. Um, so, folks, if you like this podcast, listen to our previous episode's trailer. We would really appreciate the listens, and be sure to find us on Break, Breaker, Breaker, however you spell it. It's B-R-E-K-E-R. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. We just got distributed there, or we just got on there. And Spotify, tune in next week. Uh, okay, see ya. See ya.